Hello, everyone. Welcome to Perfect Timing Podcast. I am your host, Sydney Cherry Monet. And today I have two lovely young ladies with me. I have Miss Tiana Stewart and Latasia Masseuse from Save a Girl, Save a World. As you all know, Save a Girl, Save a World is a multi generational mentoring and esteem building program for young girls and women by providing them with mentorship programs and partnerships. So I'm so excited to have you all here today because the conversation that I think we're going to be having, I think really builds upon, you know, the message that Save a Girl, Save a World has been having and caring for such a long time. And just like everything else that's going on with the conferences and the summits that are coming up. I'm just so excited to have you both on today. So thank you for taking the time to join me this evening to talk about it. <laughs> of course, of course. Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. Yes. Thank you so much. And I think I think you guys are familiar with Latasia. This is like her third for time being on here, but we're welcome. We're welcoming her back. We're welcoming Tiana into our new space. So I'm gonna go ahead and give a little intro of both of them because they're both phenomenal young women. So I'm just gonna go ahead and splurge real quick. One second. So <laughs> today I'm here with two members of Save a Girl, Save a World Speak Up Project, Latasia Lasus and Tiana Stewart. Like I said, Latasia is a recent graduate from Clark Atlanta University with a degree in psychology on the path to becoming a clinical psychologist. Tiana has a degree in human development from Howard University with a master's in nonprofit management from Columbia University. Uh, and today we're gonna be talking about the National Menthol Third Annual Conference, the Congressional Black Caucus, Foundation, Alma Adams Birthing Justice documentary, and Save a Girl, Save a World's upcoming summit. I want to go ahead and get into it before I just start exploding at like the success that you both are just carrying. Like, wow. <laughs> I appreciate you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Okay, so the Menthol Conference just concluded back in September, and I believe both of you all attended. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the event, like what it is, what did you talk about? I believe it was like a three-day long conference. So I want to hear your thoughts. Yes. So the Menthol Conference was extremely lovely, extremely um, just, it felt like a family reunion, honestly, you know. Um, I don't know. I feel like even though I didn't know anyone there, it felt like, you know, when we were just talking to each other, it felt like I already knew everyone because we all had a lot of the same similar interests in mind. We all had, we're fighting the same goals. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was just an experience like no other. This was my first conference ever that I attended. So this definitely set the bar high for any other conference that I go to going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd like to add that um, it was the Menthol Conference, the third annual Menthol Conference. Um, and the theme this year was finishing the fight. Um, because there's a fight, a movement to try to ban menthol and flavored tobacco. Um, and at the Speak Up program, SPEAK actually stands for Smoking Prevention Through Equity, Advocacy, and Knowledge. So uh, the Menthol Conference was one of our main events to attend so far this year. Um, and like Latasia said, it was a wonderful experience to be in a place where everybody is there for one cause that may seem very um, like insular or like a niche topic. But when you learn more about uh, the tobacco industry and menthol and the targeting of black communities, you realize it's, its reach is expansive and it impacts probably most people you know, whether they smoke tobacco directly or have family members who have smoked, um, the, the, the reach is there. So it was a great experience to, to be with the organizations and leaders in the movement who have been fighting for decades um, to ban this, this chemical ingredient. Um, it was wonderful to be a part of a small part of that fight and get to see what we're a part of as Speak Up Project. 
I love that. And I'm, I'm really curious to see, like, where did they give you all, like, any action items? You said that this was, like, you know, fighting the fight and, you know, we're trying to end this and kind of create a ban for tobacco and stuff like that. And I also want to get into more of, like, why do we think that this is still an issue that we're facing, especially in the Black community? But did they provide any of you guys with, like, action items, like, how you guys continue to, like, advocate and fight for it after the conference? Yeah, definitely. I would say that um, one is different levels to to organize and join the fight, of course. So one is simply spreading awareness about the topic. I think we all know that, quote unquote, smoking is bad, but we may not realize, one, the impacts it has to the addictive nature of nicotine. So it's not always as simple as just stop or just say no. Um, So that kind of goes into the need for cessation uh, services for people. And one main cause that people are trying to organize around is expanding Medicaid benefits to include cessation um, as over um, like people who are on Medicaid are two times more likely to use tobacco products than those who have private insurance. So that's one kind of political uh, or topic you can organize around. Uh, but simply talking about it is spreading awareness, um, joining movements like in organizations like Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids the African-American Tobacco Control Leadership Council, um, there were, the Center for Black Health and Equity as well. So those are a few organizations you can go to if you're looking to learn more about how to get involved. Um, but I would definitely say first step is spreading awareness and also being informed um, about your local representatives and where they stand in the fight. Absolutely. And, you know, have I think doing my part in that by being the communication part of it by having you two on today. I, I always love having Save the Girl, Save the World on and talking about their speaker program because it's I'm continuing the conversation on stuff like this. We have the conversations in schools and stuff like that. Like we have someone come in and they have a whole presentation. I'm like, how can we actually make people my age listen? Because like, I'm going to tell you right now, the, the presentation was lovely. It was beautiful. Talked about all the things. which just kind of like, you know, not necessarily to scare us out of either smoking or like stopping if you already do, but it's just like for people my age, I'm 17 years old. So it's like, what can we do to kind of prevent it in like a way that it'll get to them? And it's just kind of like, oh, okay, they're just saying that to be like, you know, this is a requirement that they have to tell kids to stop smoking and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I think it's just become a really popularized thing. And this is really funny how you mentioned like cessation and everything like that, because uh, I mean, Latasia, we were talking earlier on that. And Latasia, I want to know your thoughts on the way that marketing for tobacco has kind of upraised. Like she showed me this like post of, it looked like like a kind of like vape that looked like a boba cup or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like a popularized and like beautified way of like a like a vape pen or something like that. Uh, so I want to know like on your thoughts on why that kind of imagery is being posted out there and why tobacco is still being represented in that kind of way. Yes, most definitely. Um, so they're literally transforming the way that these market these products. It really looks like a little sippy cup, like a cup that a child will have and it's called like a mini cup and it's a a vape, Um, you know, and they have all these flavors. And another thing that someone brought up was the smell of it. It smells so sweet that it makes you want to kind of be like, well, what is that? Like, I want to try that. You know what I'm saying? So um, the way they're marketing is really getting strategic. It's getting creative. They're really, they're really targeting the young kids. They're like really, you know, I feel like they kind of just go into the schools really and maybe interview people. I don't know what type of stuff they're, they're doing, but the way that people are just attracting to these vape products due to just how they market is extremely just crazy to me. Um, 
Yeah, it's like they find a new strategy every time. Every time we come up with something, they come up with something right right after. Like it's it's very scary, honestly. So that's why the need for it to be completely like the use of menthol needs to be completely um just shut down so that they're not able to keep doing it and keep finding loopholes to the marketing strategies that they use. Cause all of it goes back to psychology. You know what I'm saying? How can this be more attractive to kids? And that's what they do every time. So, cause it, the, the thing about marketing, they have to get you while you're early, get you while you're in school, you know, to get you hooked on it. So yeah, it's, it's just getting creative. It's scary. Yep. And one important thing about the flavors is it's not just because it looks cool or it smells good, uh, but it also makes it much easier to smoke. Um, like your body is naturally reacting to an irritant when you're smoking, especially if there's no flavors, you're going to cough or your throat will hurt. And you're not going to be likely to want to do that again, especially if you're starting as like a teenager. But with menthol and other flavors, it makes it much easier to smoke and it's much more pleasurable. So when it's easier to smoke, it's much easier to become addicted. And if you're starting at maybe, for example, my mom started as a preteen and it wasn't until she was in her mid 50s that she was able to quit. Um, and it was through, though it was different tactics back then, it was menthol cigarettes given away in the neighborhood. It was totally different tactics, but it's the same outcome. And you have um, young kids today. I'm worried about my little cousins and nieces and nephews who may not understand the gravity of what they're seeing. It looks cute. It looks fun. Um, but it can really alter your life. And you may be stuck on a loop that you can't get yourself out of, at least alone. And that's why it's really important to have a program that are one, informing, but also if you are using to help you to have the support to quit. Exactly. And, you know, like, I really agree uh, with both of you all said about like, you know, like the spell and how it would make it easier, I guess the taste and like how it would make it easier for, you know, kids my age to want to participate. Like, oh my gosh, this tastes like Fruit Loops. Heck yeah, I want to try it. You know, like, it's just stuff like that. And, you know, I think when I was younger, when I was like middle school, I did have friends who participated in that kind of stuff. And, you know, like officers would have to come in and like raid everyone's lockers. It's just kind of like, because don't go through my stuff, you know, like, it's just stuff like that. It's just like, it kind of grows through, you know, of the popularity of it and like, why it's just so drawn to. Um, but Latasia, I want to ask you again, you know, like, what, what do you think the issue is with cultural appropriate cessation? And like, why do you think that when it comes to either like stickers or like just something to get people away from smoking? What do you think that the cultural like appropriate like cessation like issue is? Yes, I think um, Tiana brought up an important issue is the accessibility of it, um, which is why there is a need for it to be included in like insurance or Medicaid and things like that. Um, so definitely accessibility is a big problem um, because, of course, um, it just all goes back to the environment, to racism that, you know, the African-American community experiences, because if we don't have the resources how can we have the benefits of, you know, having cultural appropriate cessation? Um, because nobody is clearly thinking about how they can help us stop, you know? So um, that's one. I think another one is that we don't really have any sa like safe spaces to actually go and receive the help that we need, you know? Um, there's not really much people to talk to about it. There's not really anyone, any place to go to receive the help that we need. So I think that um, the first step would to be having an alternative for us, because if we don't have anything other than smoking, then what other coping mechanisms can we turn to other than that? You know, what Latasia said is very important that having an alternative, because if you're pushing 
one to ban menthol or ban these products, over 90% of black tobacco users or 85 to 90%, depending on where you look, use menthol products. So you have this large amount of people who are dependent upon the product, physically dependent, chemically dependent, and it's a part of their lifestyle. So if you remove that product from the market, what are people going to do? So you want to be sure to have um, programs that people can access. And one, accessibility is important, but two, you want it to be relatable. If you know anybody who's tried to quit smoking, it's very difficult, no matter how much willpower you have, even in the face of a medical issues that you can clearly see, it can still be a very challenging journey to go down. So at least you want to have something that's relatable, that's non-judgmental, that's empathetic to what you may be going through. Um, because I think if we learn from any other public health crises um, that just say no or abstinence or that kind of uh, black and white thinking is not going to work in the long term. So I think that um, if we learn from history, we won't apply that with tobacco, hopefully, and have some programs that people can can access um, and feel at home in and get the support that they need to quit. Um, yeah, so it's one thing to get it off the market, but it's another thing to help people lead healthier lives in the long term. Yeah, like, I completely agree, again, like, with both of you. I think that, you know, the kind of, like, coping mechanism that we have, like, I have friends and even family members that are just, like, you know, like, you know, it kind of it kind of calms me down or, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so stressed out, like, I have to smoke. I think this relates more to, like, marijuana and weed usage than it is, like, vaping and stuff like that, but still same kind of era. It's just kind of, like, this is what I do to calm myself down. I'm like, there's other other ways that you can do that. And like you said, it is the accessibility. It's just kind of like, and people have a very different way of coping. And if they are stopping, like, or trying to quit, it's just kind of different for everyone. And these programs, you know, like, yeah, there's these, there's these programs available, but is there a corruption within those programs that are like, okay, this isn't working for me. So I'm just going to continue because they weren't trying to help me anyway. I actually saw this very moving, um, it was kind of like a small kind of documentary, like series video of this girl on YouTube. And she had like a serious addiction to like vaping and smoking and stuff like that. And she wanted to record her process of what it was like to quit. And her friend, like she, all of her friends, like they all smoked and everything. Um, and she had another friend and they were, he was like, I'm going to bet you a thousand dollars to quit smoking. Like if you, or like at least for like, I think like a year or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't remember her name. She was a really nice girl, but um, he was like, I'll bet you a thousand dollars to quit smoking uh, to her and all of her friends. And it was just like really interesting to see her process because like, you know, she shared some videos of like, what should we do? Like she'd look at like an experienced smoker, like she's been doing this for a long, long time. And, you know, there's like some days she was like, I feel sick to my stomach, you know, like I was so close to doing it. Like she referenced how she literally like charged her pen and uh, like held it up to her lips. But like she like put it down. She was like, I have to keep trying to fight this. I can't remember how long ago I watched that. And I kind of want to get an update to see how it's been because I think it's been over a year now but um but yeah it's just stuff like that like what kind of motivators I mean that everyone's gonna have like an outside friend that'll be like I will give you a thousand dollars if you quit but mm -hmm. it's still just kind of like her support system was willing to be like I want you to stop doing this and if you do here's kind of your reward you know yeah and that's the thing about a uh, culturally appropriate cessation everyone has different motivation um to want to stop it could be health, it could be mental health, um, it could be outside influences like family and things like that. There's so many different reasons and motivations to stop. But the thing about it is, and something that I also brought up to Tiana um, and Dinesha as well when we were at the conference is that 
Um, when it comes to wanting to live a healthy lifestyle and wanting to value your own life, how can someone who already doesn't value the world or just living in general want to value their own life because they already feel like, oh, this life is so hard. It's, it's hard to just be alive. So it's like they already, it's, it's it all goes back to mental health. If you already don't like living, then why would you want to live a healthy lifestyle? You know what I'm saying? So everything goes back to mental health, honestly. So that was one thing I wanted to point out. And another thing that you said, um, when it comes to like the marijuana as well, there's there was a breakoff session um, at the conference where they talked about how the wraps that they use to wrap the marijuana in, it actually has menthol and tobacco in it. It's like flavored um, wraps. So even if they aren't uh, um, smoking the vape, you know, there's still ways that the tobacco um, company is even marketing the marijuana smokers. So they all they're always finding different loopholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really important point, especially for um, black communities and black youth. We don't tend to smoke cigarettes at the same rate, but little cigars, flavored cigars that Latage is referencing in hookah are becoming more prominent. So although if you look at some charts, it looks like things are improving over time, which in some cases they are. Um, but like you said, there's always kind of a reinvention of another product to get hooked on. And it's also because they don't look anything like what our parents smoked, it's much easier to mentally separate it. So I know for myself, my mom smoked cigarettes my whole life. I swear I would never smoke a cigarette and I never have. But guess what? I have smoked hookah and enjoyed it and thought it was fun and cool and never made the connection between those two products um, until... Uh, years later of, of um, yeah, of going through that in college and, and it was fun social activity. So I think it's important to help people connect those dots and realize that um, just because it looks a little bit different doesn't mean that the contents and the impacts it can have on your health are any different. And in some cases, it's worse. Well, Deja, I had no idea about the wraps that they put it into for like the menthol like connection too. like I had no idea that that was a thing. I mean, I personally, I don't even know what they wrap it in. I guess it's a good thing that I don't know. But um, I didn't know that those kind of things were made for, like, the menthol to still be used. Um, and Tiana, like, I definitely agree with that as well. It's just kind of like, well, my mom, she smoked cigarettes my entire life. And, you know, my my cousins, they smoke cigarettes my entire life. And it's just kind of like, you know, it has this murky smell, you know, like, it it kind of lingered around with them. But I'm over here smoking hookah, or I, I am vaping something that tastes like strawberries, you know, it's just kind of like, so it's not as bad. So I definitely agree with the whole, um, you know, like it's not as bad as what they're doing. So then it, what I'm doing should be totally fine. Um, but thank you all so much for joining me in this first half as we're wrapping it up with this wonderful conversation on the menthol conference and just like our thoughts and opinions on smoking as a whole. Uh, but thank you so much to Yana and Latisha for joining me thus far. And we'll be right back after this break. Have you put in place the tools and marketing strategies that will drive the revenue and growth outcomes for your business? Are you looking to expand your brand and image nationally and globally? Commercials, podcasting, graphics, and marketing support are just some of the ways we can dress up your business for prime time. We are EliteConversations.com.
to learn more about us, check us out at EliteConversations.com, our website, email us at ecpodcastmedia at gmail.com, or call us at 301-900-5703. There are many people that need to know about the wonderful products and services you have to offer. Let Elite Conversations help you to get the word out. Welcome back, everyone. Again, I'm here with Latasia Lasus and Tiana Stewart, and we're just talking about smoking and trying to pre- prevent it and their experience at the menthol conference and everything that they learned and how it kind of grows from there. Uh, so let's get straight back into it. So uh, Congresswoman Alma Adams uh, from North Carolina, she is or is starting to share out her documentary called Birthing Justice. And Latasia was actually to help volunteer because it hasn't really been pushed out yet, but Latasia was able to volunteer at the pre-screening of it. Uh, So she said she got to see bits and pieces of it, but I want to know what is Birthing Justice, uh, which is all the Adams uh, documentary. And, you know, what do you think it represents? And especially because it deals with women's health, I want to know your thoughts and opinions. Yes. So it was a lovely event. Um, I really enjoyed my experience volunteering with them. I even got to have a free shirt, uh, so that was nice. Um, so what it is about is about women's maternal health. So, you know, of course, when it comes to Black women and healthcare in general, we have issues with that. But specifically when we're um, pregnant and giving birth, there are a lot of issues surrounding that um, as far as having just the representation when it comes to um OBGYNs. Um, there's not a lot of black women in that field. Typically, they're like, you know, older white guys and things like that. So when it comes to just maternal health in general, um, women are underrepresented and we the care is is not where it should be. Um, because even when it comes to just regular health care, they don't believe when women are black women are experiencing pain. Um, you know, we're getting um, misrepresentation we're getting misdiagnosed when it comes to certain illnesses and things like that and so um one of uh, one of the main problems when it comes to maternal health is the postpartum depression it's usually the most misdiagnosed um problem that black women experience um so it just brings awareness to the things that women can do to ensure that they have a safe um break pregnancy and birth um so that's the main thing about it and I think that is very important because we deserve to have a wonderful pregnancy like anyone else does, you know. So I think that is a very good documentary that people should watch. It should be coming out um, next year. So I definitely recommend you all to watch that if you are interested. And one thing that I did want to talk about with my experience volunteering is that when I was going around and passing around the flyers about it, there were a lot of people interested in it. Um, so we had a really good turnout for it. And it's something that should be talked about more frequently. I totally agree, you know, that, you know, women's health and women's maternal health, especially with the whole Roe versus Wade over the summer and everything, it's just kind of like, where is everything succumbing to? And I think I saw this actually really beautiful post um, a few weeks ago. And it was like, and it, it was like an entire Black team of women uh, helping, helping another Black woman through her natural birth. And it was just like, you know, like, it was like the midwife the doctor was there you know the husband was black and you know it's just like it was such like a beautiful experience and it's just like wow like this is something that 
a lot of women don't get to experience and you know like especially with birth uh abortions becoming a little bit more unsafe you know women's health it's always especially for black women it's always underrepresented it's just like oh they're not actually experiencing pain you know like they're fine you know like there's mm-hmm. no dramatic it's just like no no a lot of people experience a lot of bad um pregnancies because of doctors and OBGYNs like that who underestimate their pain and how they're feeling um but again definitely a documentary that I want to see. Claps to you, Latasia, for participating and be able to volunteer. We love free stuff. We love free (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. But moving on, um, I want to get into the Congressional Black Caucus. So what is a Congressional Black Caucus? They had a meeting not too long ago, and I want to know you all's thoughts on that meeting and the information that was shared. Yeah, so first, I guess it's good to start with what the Congressional Black Caucus is. And it's funny because after all these years here at CBC, CBC, I was like, do I actually know what exactly they do and what they stand for? So I took some time um, before this to do a little bit of research. But um, the CBC is a caucus that is made up of most um, African-American members of the Congress, of the U.S. Congress. Um, and they've been around since 1971. And essentially, their goal is to represent the best interests of Black Americans um, legislatively. So their ultimate goal is to increase equity for people of African descent in the design and content of domestic and international programs and services. So it was great to attend um, the CBCF, which is their foundations conference. Um, So it was happening at the same time as the menthol conference. We were kind of going back and forth between the sessions. Um, But I think what's most important about the CBC Um, as Black Americans and as Black people who want to be politically aware and engaged is to understand and make sure that people who are elected to represent you are truly representing your best interests. Uh, So a lot of the conferences and sessions you can hear from people in position of power, whether it's politically or nonprofits, um, from all over different industries and sectors, but kind of hear what are they talking about, what's going on in our communities, and how how can we be a part of making a difference? Um, So for me, it was enlightening. It was my first time attending. Um, and it was my first time. I used to live in D.C., but I've been living in Senegal for the past year. So dropping me back uh, into the U.S. for the first time in a while, attending a conference. It was overwhelming seeing so many people and attending so many events. But it was also uh, helped me feel a little more optimistic about the future. Sometimes it can be easy to get lost in the news headlines. And of course, there's a lot to be concerned about. But it was also very inspiring to see so many people. Um, from all walks of life there for a common purpose, and especially organizing around communities who are more vulnerable and in need of representation and people who are um, representing our best interests, not just the interests of corporations and so on and so forth. So it was a great experience for me, and um, I definitely would recommend if you have the chance to attend CBCF weekend. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, but also great for networking, professional development, and just being engaged uh, politically. Yes, so that was definitely one thing that I wanted to touch on, just being able to share the space with a lot of professionals and being able to network. Um, So that was a really enlightening experience for me. Um, I really did enjoy a lot of the what they had to offer. Like there were so many events to go to, so many sessions to go to. I was kind of screaming like, I don't know where to go. Like, there's so much to do. But overall, it was a really nice experience. So I definitely do recommend Anyone who would like to be um, interested in politics, anyone who would like to be involved in it, um, that's definitely a place to be. 
Yes. And, you know, me, you know, still learning about the Black Caucus and what it is. I always knew what it was, like, the back of my mind. I'm like, yeah, the Congressional Black Caucus. But I think I never really took steps to actually, like, research and know, like, what it is about. So, uh, Tiana, you were talking about, you know, putting people in the right places to hear and understand and make sure that they are advocating for what you're advocating for. How is that process done? So they're all Congress people. So they all have been um, elected first. But a caucus is basically a group of representatives who form to organize for common like objectives. So they all are people who you can look them up. Some of your representatives may be a part of the Congressional Black Caucus, and that's um, definitely important to know. So they are our elected officials who are meant to represent us, um, but they are just organized as most of the Black members of Congress. I think currently there are over 50 members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend checking out their website to learn a little bit more about their um their goals and missions and programs that they have going on yes make sure that you know we're all putting these people in these positions and that they're advocating for us and that they actually want what we want to have in terms of growth and you know society you know like so get out there and vote guys uh i think midterms are coming up uh i'm, I'm not gonna be 18 by then i will be afterward sadly <laughs> but get out there and vote guys please 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 i beg of you um but yeah Thank you for the, all the information, you know, on uh, Black Caucus, you know, just I'm definitely going to be starting my research. I hope my listeners will do the same, you know, really just getting out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but moving on, Save a Girl, Save a World is having their Power of Dreams 2.0 Summit this November. And I'm actually going to be going down finally because last year was virtual and this year it's in person. Oh, my goodness. So um, have you guys attended it last year's or previous sessions or the summits that they've had? So what were your experiences like? What are your expectations for this year? But I want to know, like, it's a three-day event. Uh, so what does everything in those three days entail? Yes. So I've never attended um, a summit before with Save Girls Save World. But I will say um, I am a part of the planning, just a little bit in the background for some of the summits. So we are looking for volunteers. If you are in the Atlanta area and you are interested, definitely let me know and reach out to me. We'll be dropping our emails um, shortly. However, um, so the first day will be like the opening reception and that'll be at Rolling Out Headquarters. The second day will be the actual summit and that'll be um, where we do all the activities that we have planned for you all to do. And then the last day will be like the inspirational type theme type church theme that we have going on um so we'll have a guest speaker and all that good stuff coming in but i will say that you don't want to miss it i'm really excited to join uh power of dreams Silver girls Silver worlds 2.0 summit uh this november uh, last year since it was virtual um they had me sign in and um just do a quick intro of myself which i thought was really nice it was a really good experience i had a lot of good information there and it was funny because i was actually at um a birthday party when i joined so my mom was like you have to join for at least a second city so i'm like okay so i did but i i stayed on for a little bit and it was a really good conversation um but i'm really excited to go in person this year i think i think i'll see latasia in person for the first time yeah <laughs> finally okay um, but before we wrap everything up, I want to ask you all, how can my listeners uh, be a part of Save a Girl, Save a World Speak Up project? Yes. So like I did mention earlier, we are looking for volunteers. Um, so you can contact me at lasus at saveagirlsaveaworld.org. That'll be lasus 
at savegrowsaveworld.org. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Latasia Lawsuits. That's my first and last name. Thank y'all for having me. Absolutely. And while Latasia, go ahead and wrap that up for us. Tiana, Miss Tiana Stewart, can you go ahead and share with my listeners how they can reach and follow you? Yes, yes. So I can personally be reached at T Stewart at savergirlsaveworld.org. Um, if people are interested in joining the Speak Up project, they can visit savergirlsaveworld.org. Go to our programs. You'll see Speak Up there. We are currently at 10 HBCUs, um, Alabama State, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Clark Atlanta, Graham Lake State, Russ College, Bennett, North Carolina A&T, Wilberforce, Benedict, and Tennessee State. So if you are a student or young woman at any of those schools, please, please, please apply um, to be a part of the Speak Up project on your campus. And yeah, also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at speakup underscore Saxon. Yay. Thank you both so, so much for joining me, Latasia and Tiana. This has been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful conversation. I always love having Saber Girl, Saber World on, especially as I am their communications intern. It's always a good time. So again, thank you both for taking the time to join me and for my listeners for listening. And this is perfect timing.